0: You're listening to the official Ankeny Community School District podcast, We Are Ankeny, where we're sparking conversations about all things Ankeny Schools. Welcome back to our podcast, and if this is your first time listening, make sure you click subscribe so you'll know when our new episodes are out. I'm your host, Dr. Eric Pruitt, Superintendent of Ankeny Community School District, and let's talk about high schools. Today, we have podcast newbies and one veteran. In the studio, Ankeny Centennial High School Principal, Dr. Jill Urich, and Ankeny High School principal Dr. Daniel DJ Johnson are here to talk about all the exciting things going on in their buildings. Jill Yurk is a native of Umtamwa, Iowa. She and her family have been Ankeny residents for 14 years and her daughter attends Ankeny Centennial High School. Her career includes being a counselor, a teacher, and a principal at levels pre-K through 12th grade and teaching graduate-level courses to aspiring administrators. She was the director of Orbis, a work-based learning program in Ankeny schools, until being promoted to principal of Centennial three years ago. Jill is a graduate of, of University of Northern Iowa, Drake University, and obtained her doctorate from the from Iowa State University. Welcome, Jill. Thank you. Now to one of the newest additions to the uh, Ankeny Community School District family, Dr. D.J. Johnson. He is the principal of Ankeny High School. He spent more than 20 years in the Dubuque Community School District, starting out as a high school counselor and eventually being selected in 2013 as the school's principal. While, While in Dubuque, Dr. Johnson became known for developing strong, meaningful, and lasting relationships with his students and staff while inspiring them to achieve at high levels. He earned degrees from University of Wisconsin-River Falls, University of Wisconsin-Platteville, and a Doctorate of Educational Leadership from Edgewood uh, Edgewood College. We also have Executive Director of Secondary Schools, Bev Kuhn. Bev has more than 25 years invested in the Ankeny School Community School District. She started as a high school science teacher and has spent the last 20 years as an administrator supporting both Parkview and North Northview Middle Schools. She is now the executive director of secondary education, working on supporting principals in both our middle and high schools. Working, uh, welcome, uh, Dr. Johnson and Bev. Thank you. So let's get uh, let's get to it. So uh, DJ, may I call you DJ? Yes, you can. Thank you very much. Um, you officially started July first. How has your Ankeny experience been over the past two months? Well, man, I think I have two two
1: things to talk about. My move to Ankeny, Ankeny has been amazing. Uh, a lot of going back and forth, but once we got settled, taking advantage of all of the opportunities we have here in the community. Uh, my daughter, who spent just a little bit of time here, transitioned well, and she likes it. Uh, but we dropped her off at college the other day, so congratulations! Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm happy. I'm happy. That's kids, good. kids are out of the house. I get my <laughs> wife back, so. Uh, but that said, uh, that part is that part is going well. We have a, we have an amazing community here that I'm looking forward to taking advantage of
0: all that it has to offer. And so you you were already successful in Dubuque. You know what attracted you to Ankeny Community School District?
1: Uh, well, I mean, I mean the the district speaks for itself. I mean you have people who are professionals who are dedicated to students, uh, you know, achieving at a high level. Uh, and uh, once I visited with the building, met some students, met some faculty members,
0: and it it's a great place. Right, and so you, know, you have the opportunity to work with uh, Dr. U- Dr. Urich, who is your counterpart um, at Ankeny Centennial. Um, Dr. Urich, what, what has collaboration been like over the summer since July 1st? Actually, it's been before July 1st because as soon as um, we brought Dr. Johnson on, uh, the collaboration started. So what, do, what does that look like? felt like um uh, since he's uh, been hired
2: it's been very easy um he never once has it felt awkward and i think part of that is because we are both very tightly aligned philosophically on what we want for every student and adult to experience at the high school level in our district and um he's from day one um has been a thought partner of mine and um we connect Often (laughs) throughout the week and um, share ideas and ask each other questions and um, plan together and dream together on what we want for students.
1: Well, I noticed your text messages uh, have slowed down a little bit this (laughs) week. A
2: little bit this (laughs) week.
0: Man, you you act like there's something going on. (laughs) (laughs) And so, uh, DJ, for you, um, what what, what has the collaboration been like? And how have you seen it as a value add? I'm, uh, in your work at Ankeny,
1: well, she has a wealth of knowledge that I can draw upon, and she is, she has answered every question that I have asked of her, helping me uh, transition into this. So oftentimes, she'll hear me say, "Okay, help me understand how this works," mm-hmm. and she'll chuckle and she'll start sharing with me. So uh, it's been very, she's been very open, which I'm thankful for, uh, able to bounce ideas off of. Uh, she has asked me uh, asked me for my thoughts on some things, and uh, I jokingly call her my sister from another mister. So we, we're pretty good. <laughs> I like
0: good. that. And so, uh, what do you consider? And this is a question to both of you. What do you consider the the biggest win from your work done over the summer, as we begin as we as we begin this 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 school year?
2: So I'm. I'll answer this first, um, and part of it's connected to your previous question. So part of my answer will address both. Um, When I think of my working relationship with DJ, it makes me think of how important it is when we hire people. Uh, We hire people who represent the vision of what we're trying to become. And so clearly Um, When our district hired DJ, he represents the vision of of what we're trying to become in our district for for all kids. Um, So part of my summer (laughs) has also been hiring for Centennial, um, and um, I've had the opportunity to hire some just amazing staff members. I think – one of the most important things we do as principals is hire. We have to hire the right people to get the work done. And I've been really fortunate to bring in, um, whether it's secretaries or associates or teachers, um, just all positions in our in our building, um, are value added. I, yeah, that that's been my summer of just hiring and transitioning people.
0: And DJ, I know that you you're you're still learning, still uh, you know trying to understand our city, the school district. know, what do you consider the biggest win uh, for you um, as a, a new a new high school principal here uh, has been?
1: Well, I, I take a lot from Jill and trying to, and um, me learning the Ankeny culture. Okay. You know, so, I mean, culture, you know, culture drives everything. And, and sometimes uh, there's no handbook on culture. You have to figure those things out. And so in in talking, talking with Jill and and other people as well, uh, learning the ancient culture uh, so we can, you know, get in where we fit in to help improve the culture and to enhance uh, the amazing culture that is already here.
0: Now, it's interesting that you mentioned culture, because one of the things that I think drives culture a lot is leadership. And one of the things that I've talked to all the principals about last year, I've said it out in the community and uh, DJ, when you and I met. I talked about this as far as uh, the principal being the CEO of their building, and so when we think about that that uh, that that term, what does that mean, you know, to you, Jill, with regards to you know what we're attempting to do with how we are teaching students, what we're wanting them to learn, and how we want them to be successful um, in, in our schools.
2: Well, I think um, the responsibility of a CEO is to ensure that we. Um, meet the bottom line, right? Mm-hmm. That we, we achieve our desired results. And um, and so for us, it's, it's helping every student not only graduate, but I like to say graduate with their plan A. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, a, a post-secondary plan, um, no matter what that is. We have students that are, um, highly, highly talented in skilled trades and could do things I could never do. And we need them in our lives. Um, and we have students that are set for four-year college, some that want to serve our country. Every single post-secondary plan matters. And every student, helping every student align to their plan matters. And, um, and so I think getting all the right people on board is um, and that comes back to hiring and then um, hiring good people and keeping good people um, who um, have the whole child in mind to, to help our students reach that goal.
0: And you mentioned bottom line. And so, D.J., uh, again, in, in some of our initial conversations, I talked about the importance of instructional leadership. And so if our bottom line is student success. How important is instructional leadership in your role as being CEO of, uh, of your building?
1: I would say it's very important. I mean, one of the things that we're trying to do uh, is help people understand how our educational system works and implementing this uh, multi-tier system of supports so that everything works together for the advancement of all of our students so that they can be successful after high school. And so I know we have some pockets of things that are taking place. Uh, but we're trying to integrate those, integrate those services and those offerings so they work smoothly together for the benefit of all our students. I mean, and I think that's where instructional on Leisure comes in to help people understand that and to operate that way.
0: And so Bev, let's bring you into this conversation uh, because, you know, you are the executive director of secondary schools and you're supporting our principals, coaching our principals and attempting to build capacity in our instructional leaders across all of our, our secondary schools. And so when you think about building capacity and especially with being an effective high school principal, you know, what are the characteristics that you look for? In effective school leadership, in the high school principal,
3: certainly, and they both have spoke to this already. The investment in kids, having that the center of the work, really looking at how do you support um, your staff and supporting students and then also I think a strength of each of these folks is how do we incorporate student voice um, into that process and kids invested in their learning kids invested in the outcomes for themselves invested in the climate and culture of their buildings those are just a few pieces that just as we've started the year are very evident in the work of, of these two professionals
0: absolutely and, and I don't, I don't want to age myself but I went to high school a few years ago okay and so high school in 2022 looks dramatically different from um when i went to high school in 1911 so um <laughs> it was the 1900s no not, not the, 1900 the right century but uh, okay 1991 uh, so um high school looks a little different from when i went mm. from when i graduated from 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 high school and so you know um this is a question to both uh Jill and DJ, and we'll start with you, DJ. You no, know, what, 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 what do parents need to know about high school students in 2022? As far as what we're doing to support them, how parents can support them at home, and then just the end result with regards to um, once you receive them in tenth grade, you know, you know what do you, what are you trying to accomplish by the time they graduate from uh, your school?
1: Well, I mean, if if I'm being real simple, which I try to keep things simple, you know, parents are trying to help your kids get ready for success after high school so they can leave your house. <laughs> okay. I mean I mean that that's that's the short of it. Okay. Uh but the but the thing that, you know, sometimes uh sometimes I think gets lost is you know, students still need parents. Mm-hmm they still need parents they still even need even in high school even in high school okay. they still need parents mm-hmm. and we have some students who, are, who who are seemingly much more independent and much more knowledgeable about some things and what's going on in the world but they still need parent, parental guidance okay they need they still need caregiver support just yeah. you know, so doing uh, talking with them and talking with them and understanding where they want to go and listening to them mm-hmm. matters mm-hmm. yeah yeah
2: absolutely Uh, As I think about, if I go back to when I was in high school, um, academics were it, right? Mm -hmm. What does your academic record look like by the time you're done with high school? And that will determine your success. Um, Now that is one element. It's still an important element, but it's not the only. Um, it, I've learned so much these past few years um, in working more and more with the workforce that it's um, we have to incorporate work-based learning opportunities and um, career experiences so our students can make informed decisions about their futures and, and how their skills and talents align to that. Um, and then just the the social emotional piece, um, we've got to give them skills where they're equipped to navigate, um, different situations, which also leads to, um, beyond the academics, we have to provide students, um, opportunity to strengthen problem solving skills and collaboration skills and, um, leadership skills, no matter, no matter where they are, they're going to need those three skills in life.
0: Absolutely. And so, Bev, um, prior to this year, you, you extensively supported uh, the CTE programs in the district. And, and when I'm out in the public and I'm sure when parents listen to our principals, they'll, they're, they'll hear, hear the term pathways. And so can, could you explain to our listeners when you hear educators, especially in our secondary schools, talk about pathways, what does that mean for our students and what does that mean for the parent with regards to how they can support their child selecting or identifying what path what pathway they want to follow
3: and i think a key piece here is you reference cte cte today is not what cte mm-hmm. was when we were high school students we have workforce industry out there with highly skilled excellent-paying careers uh, in those technical areas. And so we have an opportunity to tap into kids' genius in these areas and um, really help um, expand opportunities that they may not even be aware of uh, in terms of what are great future opportunities for them. And so when we talk about pathways, we really are kind of looking at, when you think across um, career Uh, opportunities there are pathways for particular areas of interest if you're interested in business or uh, human services or uh, technical trades and even within the technical trades there are strands and pathways within those and one of our goals in our post-secondary work is to fortify and really expand our ability to help students see um, their connection of an interest area and a pathway then that can lead them through the schooling the education and post um High school opportunities that really then can equip them to be very well prepared to enjoy uh, an area that they are not only interested in, but that's rewarding and satisfying to them, regardless of, um, as Dr. Yurik mentioned, where that pathway might lead them.
0: And then as a, as high school principals, you know, one thing that I've been talking to parents about is that the pathways don't start in 10th grade. Mm. Oh, no. <laughs> and so what can we <laughs> no. tell our parents um, that, that have children that aren't yet at Centennial or at Ankeny, what they could, could be doing with their children to help them identify what they're interested in, what pathway they might follow. Because I think we, we all believe it starts in middle school, if not in elementary school with, with regards to exposing our students to different um, opportunities, pathways that they may be interested in. So what, what advice would you uh, give our parents around supporting their children who have not yet um, been able to attend Ankeny or Centennial.
1: Well, well, I will go back to what I said before, which is listen to your students. Okay, listen to your kids. I mean, there's, I mean, so in our school system, we expose our students to a lot. Of, you know, parents, you can expose your students to a lot of things as well, whether it's through summer programs, uh, taking the summer programs after school programs, or getting them involved in those extra extracurricular activities. But listening to them is key. Mm. I mean, yeah, yeah if, if I'm speaking about, you know, at least one person, they thought their child was going to go to be a computer programmer, okay. and then they took advantage of one of these one of those opportunities that were in high school to do. I mean, in middle school to do some career exploration, they came across a career that they had not they didn't even know about. Mm. But when they read about it, when they were exposed to it, that became their focus, and they were they were locked in on that. We have some students who may want to do something different than what their parents want them to do, but you know, they can still li- live and have a very successful life, live comfortably, uh, raise a great family, doing something different than what the parent may have wanted them to do. Okay. So, again, I go back to that, you know, talk to you, really listen, listen to understand. Mm-hmm. Listen to understand. Sometimes you may not like what they're thinking, but listen to them and try to understand. Okay. Joe.
2: So, great segue, because uh, listening – Um, I think it's going to be really important to learn about what what do they like to do? What are they good at? Um, And um, I I can speak to this with empathy because as a parent of a high schooler myself, um, it's easy for me to look at my daughter and think, oh, she should do this, Mm -hmm. right? And it's not about me. It's about trying to empower her to determine what is it she wants to do. Um, So I think going back to, for example, middle school, um, we have uh, our district invests in Naviance, and um, that's a great uh, career interest um, platform of resources. And that I think probably a lot of our parents haven't had an opportunity yet to to dive into with their child. But there are uh, career surveys, interest surveys at every grade level that mm-hmm. they can dive into, um, and they can pursue. Um, there's a um, I think it's called Job Nation. I think that's what it's called. Mm-hmm. Lots of different videos on different careers. So th- there's just a, that's a huge resource at their fingertips that they could be pursuing and just talking about with their child. Um, another thing I was thinking of is the question we ask students. Um, it used to be where we would always ask students, what college are you going to go to? Mm-hmm. Instead, we should be asking, what do you want to do after high school? Mm-hmm. And, and just open that question up for the possibility of where it might go. Right.
3: And I would add in, in those early years in middle school, helping your child also determine what they don't like sometimes is as insightful as capitalizing on what they do like, because it helps guide that process.
2: No. Informed decision, Absolutely. I always say. An informed no is better than an uninformed no.
1: Right. And and I, I think one of the things I would like to add, especially if you talk about this career pathway, it is all of our jobs, to help students figure it out, you know that's mm-hmm. why we're we're investing in trying to implement a multi tier system of supports. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know because we can address those we can address those those those, those pathways, and mm-hmm. helping students prepare using a, a a comprehensive system where we wrap our arms mm-hmm. around students and, and help develop all those aspects of of themselves.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and so people have he- heard me talk about our students having a concrete post secondary plan and so that that doesn't mean that if i'm in 6 if i'm in middle school that i establish this concrete post secondary plan and that I, I can't change it the concrete part of it means that if i choose to be a, a diesel mechanic and i've told my my parents that i've told my counselor that the concrete part of it comes in that these are the courses that you should be taking as you Uh, matriculate from sixth grade through high school but then if i get into eighth grade and i decide hey i i want to be an electrician then it's another conversation with my parents my counselor and then then we're we're identifying another concrete pathway that allows you to pursue that career that you're interested in um so I, I, i i want our listeners to understand that when you hear me talk about concrete post-secondary plan, it doesn't mean that they can't change it. It's just that they're establishing what courses, what experiences they need in order to achieve the goals that they set for themselves. Mm-hmm. And so let's let's talk a little bit to our 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 parents of sophomores. Okay. So this idea of open campus Versus closed campus, both of our high schools are open campus, and so let's let, let's for ta- juniors
1: and seniors.
0: That's that was my next question, and so for our parents of sophomores, what are they allowed to do? What are they not allowed to do on our campuses with regards to being an open campus?
2: They are allowed to stay in our building all day. <laughs>
1: <laughs> if they have a free period, they can go to the commons area. They can yes. go to the media center. Uh, they can go there, sit. They can sit, socialize, read quietly, study. I'm not going to say take a nap because they can't lay on the floor. <laughs> you know, yeah. But the, we have spaces where students can go uh, if,
0: they ha- if they have a free period. So sophomores in Ankeny Community School District at both high schools may not leave campus.
2: Correct. Correct.
0: They're required to stay on campus.
2: Yes, we need them on campus, for sure.
0: And then with regards to, again, this is a transition for our sophomores. We need them in school every day, and we need them in their classrooms every every day. Every period that they're enrolled in. Mm -hmm. Right. Absolutely. And so when our sophomores are in school, actually in the building, we actually need them in their classrooms receiving instruction throughout the entire day, unless they had that free period or in lunch.
1: Well, yeah, and i like to add, uh, getting to class on time. I mean, oh, so okay. that, was, that was part of the community conversation that we just had yesterday when talking about expectations. Okay. Getting to class on time. Okay. Yeah, let's respect the educational space and mm-hmm. preserve the, the, the integrity of the learning environment. Get to class on time so that you can hear the start of class and sit through class and hear the dismissal. Okay.
2: Right. I mean, we have, there our graduation requirements, right? They, right? they need to be in class. We have um, we have an important curriculum for them in every classroom that we want them to, ex- we need them to experience. We need them in class.
0: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So what about our, so we've, we've talked about expectations for our, our sophomores moving forward for the remainder of the school year. You know, what are the expectations of our juniors and seniors?
2: In regards to open campus, open or,
0: campus, and then um, um, opportunities that um, are, are that, that that are available to our juniors and seniors, and then just how we're expecting them to set examples for th- their younger peers.
1: Well, I'm expecting I'm expecting juniors and seniors to use their privilege appropriately. Okay. You know, so again, that's one of the things we talked about in our community conversation yesterday. As juniors and seniors, uh, you're in different spaces. You're in a different place than than sophomores who are getting used to this new level of freedom. Mm -hmm. Uh, But we still expect you to be responsible uh, with with that with that privilege that you have. And so, in seniors, I mean, you're 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 almost an adult, and so we're expecting even a higher level of responsibility with how you use that. Um, And we can. I know our buildings might be a little bit different. Uh, but we want people to be safe. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and we, I prefer that they stay in the building cause all that transition just opens you up to things. But you know, if you're going to take advantage of having open campus, be responsible, uh, be responsible when you're leaving and returning to the building.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, we had, uh, just yesterday, we had a class meeting with uh, the last two days. We met with sophomores and then we had a class meeting with juniors and a class meeting with soft sophom- with seniors. And, um, different message in those three meetings right right? when i talked to the juniors and the seniors we talked about the importance of them being leaders and um living the jaguar creed um we we spent time talking about um the the jaguar creed which was developed by um a team of students when centennial opened um and it really speaks to caring first for other people and pursuing excellence through hard work and um, working with others to accomplish a common goal. So we just talked about the different elements of that and how um, it comes down to just being a good person and, you know, caring about each other, caring about our environment and um, taking care of people.
0: And so um, let's talk about 10th through 12th grade in technology. And so in the world that we live in, everyone has a cell phone, right? And so at both high schools, what are the expectations for how we want our students to be responsible with having cell phones and other technology um, in the building when instruction is going on?
2: So um, I'm looking at us right now. None of us have our cell phones out um, because we know it would not be appropriate in this setting together um, to be on our cell phones. I think as we think about expected behaviors in high school, we should be treating them as young adults. And this is what is going to be expected of you when you walk across that graduation stage and you enter that next season in your life. So um, that being said, um, it's less about the hard rule, like, you know, when you walk in the building, put your phone in your backpack. It's more about teaching them and supporting them and holding them accountable to um, when it's appropriate to have your phone out and when it's not. So um, teachers, there are a lot of teachers that incorporate it as a, as a tool in the learning process. We do have Chromebooks, yes, but there are times when, you know, they have choices. Which, which device do you want to use? Um, sometimes they're creating videos and they need their phone. I mean, there, there's all kinds of opportunities that support learning. Um, and there's times when the teachers say, we're not going to use our cell phones today. Put your phone away. Right. Um and we're all guilty of it, right? Like I might pull mine out and then I think, "Oh, nope, I shouldn't have it out right now." And I and I put it away. When they're in the halls, they're on it. When they're at lunch, they have their phones out. So it's teaching them appropriate times to use it.
0: What did the students at Ankeny, uh, what was the message they received at Ankeny?
1: Uh use your technology appropriately. Okay. Whether it, you know again, whether it's your cell phone, whether it's the computer, use the technology appropriately for what it was intended to be used
0: simple simple
2: keep it simple I tend to do it, I'm more wordy you just <laughs> you reflect back to me and just here's what you're saying
0: <laughs> and so when, when we think about uh, what's been going on and what you've been planning for this upcoming school year at Centennial could you tell your parents about advisory what is it and what's going to be going on during advisory, um, at Centennial?
2: Sure. I would be excited to talk about this. Do you want me to talk about both advisory and seminar? Cause those are both in the same time slots yes. or just like, okay. Yes. So, um, we used to have advisory one day a week on Wednesdays and, um, we have been working really hard, um, at Centennial learning about, um, Multi-systems of support and how do we achieve equity and learning for every student? Um, and, and just we want every student to cross that finish line. You know, we've talked about it already here this morning about just that informed plan A. Um, and so what we've done this year, instead of one day a week, we've changed it so um, there's a 24-minute time slot mm-hmm. on Mondays, Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Um, Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday is what we call seminar. And every Friday is what we call advisory. So I'll pe- I'll speak to the seminar piece first. Um, on those three days of seminar, uh, students, um, where they're scheduled to go during that 24-minute time period, will change on a day-to-day or week-to-week basis, um, and it's determined by their learning needs. Mm-hmm. So... Um, Examples would include um, our uh, departments, um, our content area teams work really closely together in um, how they're delivering their curriculum, how they're assessing students, and then most importantly, how they're responding to what students know and don't know. So if our language arts team, for example, if they're sitting down looking at um, a set of um, student writing samples... They, between all of them, um, they might discover, gosh, we, we're seeing a trend here. There are a number of students that are, um, that are needing support in theme development on this particular writing sample. Um, and gosh, we're also seeing a number of students that need help with sentence structure. Mm-hmm. So in that team... Um, We use, what I'll I'll refer to it as a shared custody approach. Um, A teacher might say, hey, I'll take all the kids on our team who need help with theme development next week during seminar, and we'll work on that. And another teacher might say, I'll take all the students that need help with sentence structure, and um, they'll pull them into their their classroom. Um, It's also a great time, for example, um, I remember talking to um, one of our AP Calculus teachers last spring giddy about this seminar structure this year um, because he wants to use it as an opportunity to extend learning um, in our mathematicians who are getting it. And they they love math and they want to have opportunities to just be challenged even more beyond the curriculum. Um, we've had some teachers talk about, I want to use seminar time to bring in uh, teachers who um, are in, or excuse me, People in the workforce who are in careers that connect to my content area, and we might have student interest in just learning more about those. Um, so it's going to really it's going to be a responsive way to speak to students' needs. Um, and students will um, on those days Monday, Tuesdays, and Thursdays they'll look they'll pull up their phone. Here's when we're using our technology appropriately. Um, in that that morning, they'll pull up their phone and and see okay I'm scheduled to go to so and so's class today during seminar. Um, so they can help me. Uh, so, and that, and it is a required time. You know, we talk about um, the importance of being in the building. So our sophomores, juniors, and seniors will be required to stay for that time because it's what they need in order to, to continue in their education and, and have what they need academically. Um and then, so so my point is, on Mondays, Tuesdays, and Thursdays, who you're with will, will be fluid, depending right. on your needs. Fridays, um, we have set aside for advisory, and um, that's when you're with the same group um, every week. And uh, we scheduled that in a way where students are scheduled alphabetically. Um, and so... Our counselors, um, they divide their students by alphabet. So what's what's great about that is we have four counselors. So um, each counselor will work with roughly one-fourth of the teachers mm-hmm. um, during that advisory time. And they'll be able to um, use that time for focused post-secondary planning, um, course registration, um, and, and just a, a, a place to communicate important information that students need um, in regards to post-secondary Um, And then we also have that time to support students um, with different um, social, emotional um, and leadership um, elements, um, such as MVP. Um, Is that something I can talk about now or you want to ask? Well, I'll come back to you I'm a little giddy about that. So, okay. (laughs) All right.
0: And so, uh, Dr. Johnson, you're still implementing your entry plan into the uh, the school. Uh, However... Um, I, I get texts and emails about you in a good way, and so I, I, I recently, Uh-oh. <laughs> I, I recently received a text this morning, oh, uh, from a parent that relayed a message from their uh, child about seeing you in the hallways and talking to kids, and her child really appreciating the fact that you're visible and you're actually talking to the students and so can you tell me one why is that relationship so important and and, and you know, h- how is that leveraged in, in um uh, with, with regards to um meeting uh, that bottom line that dr Yurik talked about oh, so i got people telling on me okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so well so I, I think relations relationships make the world go round okay you know, and so in, in our in our little world, in our little corner of the world, Ankeny High School, uh, you know, we have taken on a moniker that relationships matter, and you have to be intentional about developing relationships. But the other part is, mean, I, I'm just cut that way. Okay, I, you know, I care about helping people be uh, helping people be successful, whether it's students or staff members. I mean, I just like to engage people, and get to know them, learn what they're about, um, and make sure making sure that they feel included uh, in our community. You know, so I really don't know any other way to be. Okay. Um so I mean that I'm I'm really I'm just doing what I do. Uh trying to take care of our building, trying to take care of our students. I mean, they heard me say I'm big on safety. Right. Very big on safety. They heard they, everyone heard it yesterday. And then after I got done with the announcement and I went in the hallway and I saw some students uh and I had to have a special conversation with them. They know right. that I'm big on safety. Yeah. You know, but all of us have a part to play it. I just want to make sure that we're in relationship taking care of the
0: nest absolutely Mm -hmm. and so uh, dr johnson talked about relationships Mm -hmm. and that that, i think that's a really good segue into mentors um in violence prevention or mvp and so you know what is centennial and i I know that dr johnson you know will be working Mm -hmm. on um his implementation plan for mvp but again he's still in his entry um, entry plan for the high school but what is uh, centennial I'm planning on doing with MVP uh, this first semester.
2: Right. So, um, MVP will um, so advisory provides the great the the perfect structure for this um, for us to incorporate it. Um, and to your point, um, I know AHS is is um, on this journey as mm-hmm. well as um, Southview and Northview. Absolutely. Um, we um, all had an opportunity to. Um, pr- learn um, we were given an overview presentation last year and then went um, took teams from our buildings to training in June um, and uh, so we had a team of about uh, we had a, a team of about t- Ten people from Centennial uh, go to training, and um, MVP stands for Mentors in Violence Prevention. And so uh, learning about it, um, it's based out of um, the Center for Violence Prevention at University of Northern Iowa, and um, it is grounded in uh, strengthening student leaders to be mentors to each other and building capacity to reinforce um, a, a safe and caring environment—the um, same type of environment that DJ has been talking about um, in, in um, wanting and establishing it, Ankeny High School. Uh, we, um, our team, who went this summer, um, then. <laughs> already uh, trained a group of students that were identified by staff members as these students are natural leaders already among their peers. They're not afraid to um, address inappropriate behaviors when they occur. Um, And uh, so they are going to help us out of the gate. And our goal is that these students um, will be able to build capacity every semester, train more and more students um, to, in advisory facilitate conversations about how students would handle certain situations so for example if um we have a a team of students who, or I shouldn't say team if, if you're with your friends on a friday night and you're on your phones again on your phones yeah. um looking at social media and one of you notices that somebody has posted something on social media. That's very alarming um, about that person's um, mental state. What do you do? Mm -hmm. And so then they talk about it and there isn't one right or wrong answer. They, they talk about different ways to respond. Um, So you're essentially um, filling students toolboxes on how to navigate hard situations. There are people hurting, um, There are people hurting other people, whether it's um, verbally or physically. And um, sometimes people don't know what they don't know. And we have to engage in those conversations. And um, advisory will provide the space for those quote-unquote MVP lessons to occur Mm -hmm. um, where they just address a a number of topics. I do want to say one thing that um, was probably one of my... um, Highlights from training, where it really drove home for me the importance of um, importance of MVP and the power MVP has. Um, we talked about how it is important for post secondary readiness okay. um, because we have our students living at home with us right now um, through high school, and m- many of our students have a safe home to go home to um, where they can um, have difficult conversations talk about how they're navigating friendship issues or they have someone in their life to talk to about that then they graduate and they go live on their own and then they're on their own and they might be at college parties they might be at local establishments they might be put in situations where they're an innocent bystander seeing something happening and they don't know what to do so this is about equipping them with skills to do life when they're not with us
0: thank you so, guys, this has really been fun.
2: It's over already? It
0: is. So I just want to say thank you, uh, listeners, for joining us for this episode of We Are Ankeny. Thank you to Dr. Johnson, Dr. Urich, and our Executive Director of Secondary Schools, uh, Ms. Kuhn, for sharing insights about our district high schools. If you haven't already subscribed uh, to this uh, We Are Ankeny podcast, please subscribe right now before you sign off. See you next time. We are
3: Ankeny!
0: Thank you for listening to the We Are Ankeny podcast, the official podcast of Ankeny Community Schools.